This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? We're back from summer break. How about it? So hopefully I won't be too rusty as things are kicking off here with another episode, episode 606, Melody and Owen. We're talking about writing books and publishing books and marketing books. And why should you do that? That's a good question. As you might know, I've published a number of books myself. Uh, This is just one of them going live, live streaming your podcast for more success. And I think I still think to this day, as I'm proving here with my actions, that live streaming your podcast actually does help. Um, reach more people because, you know, it's just, it's easier to reach everyone because you're on your networks, social media, et cetera, et cetera. And why wouldn't you do it? So um, that's one thing you can um, check out. As you can see, I'm still getting used to pushing all these buttons once again by myself. Um, So let's get into today's topic. Why should we even write a nonfiction book, a business book, really? And what goes into making it a success, making it a bestseller, so to speak. And you know what? We write these books and the writing takes so long and it's the hardest part. But is it really the hardest part? Or is the marketing, the making making it a success, the harder part? Let's find out. Melody and Owen, welcome to the show. Hi, Christoph. Lovely to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thanks for hanging with me as we're getting used to the summer blues here, so to speak. Um, So tell me about um, your expertise, your interest in helping people be successful with their books. So I'm, I think I'm a story addict. I do love, I do love stories. And uh, I started working in publishing actually way back in the nineties with Oxford university press. And I was actually part of their educational arm. And I've just, since then, I've just been enthralled with publishing and stories and books And I love entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur myself. I love entrepreneurs. I love people who have these big, bold ideas. And they're the people I want to help write books so that they can find success beyond just, you know, their their small, small enclave of people. Books like the Internet uh, travel, but we get to say so much more and we get to make deeper connections with a book than we do a tweet. It's so true. And, you know, obviously I wrote uh, three books in my marketing strategy series. And um, so I certainly believe in the power of books, even if they don't necessarily become a bestseller, even though becoming a bestseller is probably easier than ever, especially if you're in a specific category. Uh, But talk about what goes into your process. How do you make your book a success? Mm -hmm. So if you look at all the really successful books in, in the world, you'll find that there are some uh, similarities between them. They have some elements that are the same. So when I talk about making a wow book, what I want authors to do is to look at these elements and figure out what ones fit into their book. So it could be mythology. It could be insights. So we also have to have encouraging language. We want, uh, we want association. So for example, you and me language. So we, you know, stories, past stories, presence, myth, folklore, 
Um, there's just so many ways we can make a book uh, like a wow book, but there are a whole set of elements that you want to consider. And all of the really best books have a, a, an assortment of these elements. So you don't need to have all of them in one book. What you need to do is understand what they are and figure out what, you know, what your book needs, what your audience needs. And that's where a development, a developmental editor can come in. And that's part of what uh, we do with our clients is we help them discover which elements are going to work best for their book so that people read it. You know, the nonfiction page turner. You know, what's interesting to me is uh, when you were mentioning that, I read something a while back about um, how the most popular songs all have certain elements, even if it's whoever, right? Like totally unrelated genres, but they have certain elements that they all kind of follow and then they become um, a hit. So it's kind of interesting to to really boil down, you know, what it comes down to. Um, maybe you can share some of those insights. Uh, what are some of those things we should look about, look at? But But one question before you do that that I have is, how important is the uniqueness of your content? I mean, I am not just talking about, you know, like obviously everybody has some uniqueness, just the way they write and even the show, right? If I ask you the same questions I ask somebody else, I might get totally different answers. But how important is this, like a, diff like a topic that hasn't been covered or hasn't been covered to that extent? How important is it in your, your, your book? So I don't think that we are going to be, you know, it's, it's a rare book that has something so new, no one has ever heard of it before. I think what we want to do, and this is one of the elements, is make an audacious proposition, right? We want to promise a, a, a big idea that will change your life or a transformation that will change your life. Not necessarily because the topic itself is new, but because the author has new information, new insights, new perspectives that can help the person make the transformation or adopt that big idea into their life. It's very interesting. I mean, certainly there is, and I agree with that, there's very few, if any, unique things out there anymore. There's just the personal perspectives. How do we present it? Uh, I was even reading Jonah Berger the other day. And of course, um, you know, he's a fantastic author. But in his book, he also had some things in there that I had already read in other books. Now, he quotes those other books and says, according to this study or whatever it might have might have been. Uh, but it's not like it's not his thought, that particular thing. Right. He was just kind of putting a couple things together and tying them together. Now, um, let's talk about I, I mentioned earlier we think writing is the hard part and then we get into marketing and now that's the hard part. Uh, of course, in a book, you know, you have to get people to even buy it or open it or whatever. And now with Kindle um, Unlimited, you know, people might just read the first 10 pages and move on to their next book. How do we make sure people even pick up the book or download it? Yeah. So I think the average amount of a book people read is about 30%. And so how do we get, so the, there's a couple of questions here, really, Christoph. One is how do we get them to even look at the book? So if we're talking about Kindle, there's that tiny little thumbnail of, a, um, of the book cover. And so that is the very first thing that might make someone decide to take a look at that book. 
And then, of course, the description is something that will help them decide whether they want to look in the book. And then when they look in the book, they get the first 10%. And that's what makes them decide whether they want to buy the book. And so if you think about it, the author really needs to have a flow between the cover, the, the, that thumbnail cover. It has to be, you have to be able to read the title, for example. It has to be colorful. It has to catch people's attention. It has to be interesting enough to open it up. They open it up. It has to lead them from the cover into a description or a testimonial or a review that's so inspiring that they open the book. And then the first 10% of the book has to make a big promise or offer a transformation that that person really, really wants. Now, the other reason people buy books is one, they know the author. So they are following them on social media. They read their blog. They've heard them on a podcast. There's some connection to the author or someone they're already connected to, their cousin, their boss, an influencer they follow, loves that author and recommends it out. And so there's a level of trust. So there's the book itself that needs to sell itself. And then there's either knowing the author or having it recommended by a trusted source. And that is kind of the, the crux of how you get somebody to actually you know, look at your book and buy your book and start to read it. Now, the second part of your question was, how do we get them to actually finish reading the book? And that's where we go back to those elements. And so, for example, at the beginning of the book, just to get them to start reading, you need an audacious proposition, right? You need, this is, this is why you want to read this book. This is the big idea. This is the promise. And then, of course, you want to, you know, show that there's opposition. You want to start to create tension. You know, I'm saying this, but, you know, other people over here are saying this and saying this, and I'm going to show you why my idea is better. And then you're going to give them a vision for their future. And so that's kind of how we deal with the topic, and that gets them starting to read. And then throughout the book, we want to give them, for example, we want to be sympathetic to their challenges. We want to understand them, show that we understand them. We want to provide encouragement, give them possibilities, uh, offer, offer courage. We want to present new ideas. We want to affirm that they are capable. So these are all those elements that I'm talking about, right? And then we want to give them insights and new wisdom and, and maybe, you know, some, some insights in, in summaries. And so that's what keeps people reading. There's that flow of elements that brings them on that journey. Because even a nonfiction book, you know, I feel I can't do this. Oh, I've been encouraged. My emotions are up. Now I'm into a challenge. Here's the story to help overcome that. And now I have a new insight. And at the end of the chapter, there might be a summary. And so that's the other part of your question. So I hope that 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 kind of breaks it down into the two and helps you grasp. Yeah, get that. Yeah, so very interesting. And you know, it's it's always interesting to me because sometimes people say, Well, I'm you know, I've never done this, I've never done this, I don't like this, or whatever, right? And or like I don't even read real books, you know, or whatever people say. You know what I mean? Like they're the the focus group of one because they know themselves. Yeah. And I'm not gonna say here's a focus group of one, but what I'm gonna say is that some of the things you mentioned, I don't like in books. So for example the testimonials. I'm like, if I already have the book, I want to jump right in. But, yes. um, you know, to spin that uh, thread a little further here, 
when I heard you, if I heard you correctly, so there's a reason why you want testimonials, because most people aren't like me and go, just get me to the juice of the book, of the, the meat of the, the, the content. They want to see, oh, look at all these people. They're already telling us this is a good book and whatever. Um, maybe the forward has something to do with that, right? If you have a big name who wrote a forward in your book, why would they lend their name to your book if it's not a good book, right? So you can't getting us going to believe that this is a good book, right? Just because of those couple um, things alone. Exactly. Would you, would you choose the book that has 30 reviews and a 4.8 or would you choose the book that had three reviews and a 4.8, right? So, you know, uh, you know, you're going to choose the 30 because that's more social proof and we humans want social proof for what we do. And so what saying that though, it doesn't mean just because you've written this brilliant book doesn't mean that people are going to run and buy it. It's not if you write it, they will come. So that third piece that I'm going to add on now is that you need to have a good plan to get those reviews. How do you get those 30 reviews? You need to have a good promotion plan to build up that social proof, to convince the influencers and, you know, the the industry leaders that this is a good book. So they will write your forward. So they will recommend your book out. And so that's that third piece, right? Yeah. And how do you, so it's always interesting every once in a while, I get a request to, to, you know, if I would consider doing a testimonial for somebody's book. And I always, um, I always weigh those requests, right? Like if I know them really well, like, you know, we're talking about that relationship again, if I know them well, or they worked well with me before, you know, maybe I owe them one, so to speak, uh, much more open to do it other than, you know, when somebody out of the blue just reach out, reaches out and says, hey, can you do a testimonial for my book? Because at, at the end of the day, I do have to read most of the book to write a testimonial, yes. right? So I make that up. Uh, but how do you... How do you get those testimonials? Who should you reach out to and at what point? Yeah, that is such a great question. Oh, so you want to reach out for the for those testimonials, for the forward, for all of that while before the book is published, obviously. And this is one of the things that self-published authors, you know, they there's this whole myth about speed to published. Whereas it can take six months to get those testimonials and those that forward, right? So once you have a copy of the book, it doesn't have to be polished. You know, it'll be proofread and all those mistakes will be, you know, corrected. But you want to get it into the hands of beta readers, people who might write testimonials, somebody who write, might, write, might write the forward. And that happens long before you are, you know, published. So you might put a temporary cover on it. It might be an idea cover. And you get it out to people as soon as possible. And what we call those are ARCs, your advanced reader copies or advanced review copies. I've heard both terms used. And so once they're in their hands, then you can, you know, you can get those reviews. You can get those testimonials in the forward. Now, how do you do that? There are a number of ways. You can get beta readers. There are Facebook groups. There are LinkedIn groups. There are uh, Goodreads groups on beta readers. So that's one thing you can do. Two, you can pay someone. There are some very famous people who have a whole team who do their forwards for them. 
And so you can pay them. There's, you know, certain names. If you open any book, can you read the forward? It's the same. How does this person read so many books and write so many forwards? It's so amazing. And yet they have these, all these other things. Well, they don't actually do the work themselves. So you pay them, you know, several thousand dollars and somebody reads the books and writes it for them and they just sign off on it. And so that's another way you can do it. And the third way, and this is one of my favorite ways to get a forward, is to think about somebody in your industry who is well-known, is respected, but doesn't write a lot of forwards and approach that person, right? So somebody who would be like, oh, they hardly ever write forwards, and you know, but I know who that is. So it doesn't have to be, and a lot of people say, you know, I want this celebrity to write a forward, and they're willing to pay a lot of money for that. But let's just imagine you are writing a book on finances. Well, this celebrity knows nothing about finances. It's just a fabulous name, isn't it? Instead of doing that, find somebody in the finance world who people trust and ask them to write the forward. And you may have to pay for it, but to ask them to write the forward, I feel that's a stronger stamp on your book than getting a, a celebrity or an influencer to, to write the forward. So again, groups, you can do it that way. You can also um, do, um, you know, pay for a celebrity or you can find someone who is trusted. I wouldn't ask your family and friends to do it, though. That's my one caveat. So your family and friends shouldn't be reviewing and testimonials for your book. <laughs> every reviewer, every testimonial has the same last name as I do. That does not look good. Um, you know, you were talking about spending a lot of money on a forward, uh, whatnot. And what's interesting to me, too, is... Uh, in going live, uh, the Switcher CEO, Switcher Studios wrote the forward. And I don't even know if he read the book or not. And when I remember what he wrote about, I'm like, I don't even know that he has to read the book because he was just talking about how they got into live streaming and why live streaming is important. So it's kind of like it's related to the book topic, but it's not about the book, right? So it depends on what the forward is too. Uh, what the forward is about, what the, the spin on the topic is. Now, the question I was going to ask you, you say some people pay a lot of money on uh, getting a forward or whatever, or they can spend money on all kinds of things, right? An editor, design, somebody reading the audio book, whatever it might be. Um, but how do you, how do people look at the return on investment, right? So when I'm looking at book sales, you know, it's going to take me longer, right? To make up if I spend $40,000 to produce the book. But if I'm looking at, hey, how many clients did it bring in? And each client is worth 30000 right? My return will be much quicker. So what are the reasons that business people write books in your experience? Is it for book sales to become that traditional author? Or is it to bring in business? Or is it to do something different? Both. I, I have clients who want both. So I'm going to just differentiate a book as a product something you put in a store and sell for $20 and a book is content, something you integrate into your business as content to bring in coaching clients or to sell a course or to sell larger products. So when, when I'm working with authors, a lot of authors think of their book, well, it's, I'm, I'm writing a book, it's a product and I put it in a store and I make money off of it. It's like, well, well let's just take a step back. What do you really want? Well, I want more clients. Well, People who go to the bookstore and buy random books or go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and buy random books, how often do they really become clients? Maybe we need to think of your book as content and think about how we can integrate your book into your business as content 
so that you can bring in clients. And that could, there's a lot of ways that could happen. If you do speaking, we can integrate it that way. If you want to start a podcast, we can integrate it that way. If you have an email list, we can integrate it that way. So you want to look at all the different ways you can integrate your book into your business so that you can um, bring clients in. And then people say, oh, but I have to make money off the book. It's like, no, you don't have to make money through book sales. If you had, if you spent 40,000 and you got five, 10,000 clients and you never sold a book, but you gave 20 books away, isn't that a better return on investment? And it takes less time than getting your book into a bookstore and like hawking one book at a time, you know, walking up and down the beach in the airport, would you like to buy a book? That will just, that's a very time consuming. Not that I suggest you try selling books on the beach, <laughs> but you see the difference between book as a product and book as content and how that mindset can help you make better decisions on how to integrate it into your life, into your business, so that you do get the return on investment. Yeah, it always comes down to what is the goal, why we're doing something and, you know, kind of going after that. Um, I also I don't know if you noticed this, but I have noticed an increase in let's call them good business books. They're getting more and more expensive. Now, for example, I'm thinking of some people and I know for a fact they use their book to get business, you know, but they also sell the book for $90. And when you read the book, you're thinking this is actually a really good book. Like I'm learning a lot. So what they're doing is, yes, you can hire them to help you, but if you're not going to hire them, they're not going to give you the book for 99 cents. Right, exactly. And so again, goals, as you said, goes back to your goals. Take a step back for a moment and stop thinking about a book the way you've been raised to traditionally think about books. Stop for a minute, take a step back and think about how you can use the book, how it fits into your life, how it fits into your business the best way so that you can make that return on investment. And so if you think about it that way, then you won't be afraid to spend $10,000, $20,000 on a book because you know exactly how you're going to get your return on investment. Now, one caveat, start thinking about this before you write, write the book. I've had authors come to me and say, my book's not doing anything. And what's happened is they've just kind of gung-ho wrote a book without really thinking about the goals for themselves or their readers before they started writing. And then later they come up with these goals and it doesn't work out. And so before you start writing the book, come talk to someone like me or sit down and you know really think, how is this going to be integrated into my life and business? How much I'm going to sell it for in stores and how, you know, how else am I going to use the book? to uh to you know boost my business and what's gonna what am i gonna say inside the book to make this happen and what am i gonna do outside the book to make this happen does that make sense makes sense and uh it's it's probably easier said than done but certainly we have to think about what's the goal how do we move it forward and, and what are we trying to accomplish and then we have to finish it because you know it takes time and uh, I wish we could dive into myth to speed, uh, the speed to publish further, but we won't be able to do that. But certainly there is a balance um, to like, how do you get things out there and how do you do it in a meaningful way? Uh, in the last minute here or 35 seconds, I guess, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, tell us how do people work with you? Who should reach out to you? Who's your perfect client, so to speak? So I only work with nonfiction authors. So if you have a book that you want to integrate into your life or into your business, whether it's memoir, self-help, business, parenting, whatnot, it's nonfiction, you can reach out to me 
Uh, you can go to authornation.community. That is where the community lives. And you can join the community and be part of that community. And we have a book success blueprint that leads you through the six stages of uh, publishing and promoting from idea right to ongoing uh, promotion and integration of your book into your business. Authornation.community. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you then. Thank you.